0: So as a kid growing up, um, sometimes I had to be told more than once uh, to do something. And you know, like for instance, it would be summer, and uh, I'd be in the house watching TV. And uh, my mom would say, "Hey, go outside and play." I'd say, "Okay," uh, and I would do it. And but the next day, I'd, I'd be watching TV again. Because there were so, so many channels to watch back then, right? <laughs> 2, five, seven, nine, 11, 32. There was 44, but nobody watched that, right? <laughs> and so I'd go outside and play. And uh, the next day, same thing Until I realized, wait, I like being outside just as much as I like being inside. So yeah, I'll just go outside and play. But it it was a process. It took me like, all right, why don't I just do it? Why do I have to be told? What do I have to say? Oh gosh, I'm sorry. You're right. I'll go outside. That apology. Yeah. What is it about us that resists uh, that which we're supposed to do? Um, Think of it this way. Like we go to confession, all right? And uh, some of us go a lot. like, I go a lot because I'm just a, a big sinner, and, uh, you know, uh, we go a lot. Sometimes, some, some of us go a lot. Some of us maybe uh, once a month, some couple times a year for our Christmas, Easter obligation. Some people, you know, maybe less frequently. Some people might not have been for a long time. But either way, sometimes when we go, uh, and maybe those who go a lot know this more than anybody else, it's like we say the same thing every time we go. I don't know if you've experienced that. Like, you know, last time I went to confession, all right, and said this, and now I'm going again. And I'm like, oh, wait, I said that last time. What's wrong with me? You know, I confessed it, I'm sorry, but I'm still doing it. Why do we do that? And, and we can get frustrated by that. So I just, I wish I didn't have to say the same thing over and over again. And... Not that that's a, a bad thing that we confess the same thing. I mean, the Lord does. The Lord knows our hearts, but He wants us to say it out loud. He wants us to go through this beautiful sacrament and receive the grace to help us with those things. But there, He wants more from us. Look at look at the act of contrition that we say. Now, there's a lot of them out there, but the one I use. Um, oh God, I'm hardly sorry for of having offended you. I detest all my sins because I fear the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all, because I've offended you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. There's two things going on there. I, I, I fear the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. Okay. That's, that's called imperfect contrition. Why am I sorry? Because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me. I fear the loss of heaven. And right? I'm afraid that because of my sins, I'm going to go to hell. I'm not going to get to heaven because of my sins. And and that's imperfect contrition. That's not where the Lord wants us to operate out of that place. He doesn't want that. He'll take it, because that's where a lot of us are, right? And and that's that's that thing we say we're sorry for, but we go ahead and do it again. Because our hearts aren't totally converted. We're doing it out of fear. That's imperfect contrition. And the Lord loves that. He knows that's where we're, a lot of us are at in certain things, and he's going to take that. I don't want you get, saying, oh my gosh, I'm doing it wrong. No, you're not. That's why it's in the act of contrition, because that's where some of our, our defects are, that imperfect place where we're sorry, not for, because we're afraid of what's going to happen. Now, the other one, what was it? So, loss of heaven, pains so of hell. But most of all, because I have offended you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. Do you hear the difference? That one is about... I'm sorry, not because I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell. I'm sorry because I love you, God, so much. And I have the capacity to do so much better. There's a world of difference between imperfect and perfect. Lord takes them both. But there's a difference. And the Lord wants us not to be doing things because we're afraid of Him, but because we love Him so much. And the, the process of the spiritual, like brothers and sisters, is us moving from that place of every day being told to get off the couch, turn off the TV and go outside and play, and apologizing for it, but not changing, to that place where I discover that I, I, prefer, I love doing this. I don't need to be told anymore. I'm just going to do it because I love. I'm going to do it because it's part of who I am. I'm going to do it. It's like breathing. It just, It's become a part of what I think and what I do. You see, virtue's a habit. The growth in the spiritual life, life is a habit. To grow in virtue is a habit. It's something, by God's grace, we have the strength to practice and do every day. The spiritual life is a tough slog where every day we have to like buckle down and, and, and work and practice the life of holiness. It isn't something that the Lord says, "Okay, here's grace. Now you're you're a saint." No. Here's grace. Now work at it. Show us the fruit is John the Baptist is saying. The growth in the spiritual life is a, is a is a virtue which is a habit which has to be practiced in order for it to take root, so we no longer have to do it because we're told, we do it because it becomes a part of who we are, from imperfect to perfect. From fear to love. That's, that's the, 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 the growth in the spiritual life. I'll give you an example. There's this thing called Exodus 90. I don't know if you've heard of that spiritual uh, practice, but it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty rough. And, and in, in the Exodus 90, first of all, it goes back to, uh, to Exodus and, and some of the spiritual practices there, but 90 is, is the number of days. It lasts for 90 days, three months. Why three months, why 90 days? Because it takes that long to form a new habit. Did you know that? That when we come up with a resolution, I'm going to change this about my life, or I'm going to adopt this thing. It takes 90 days for that habit to take root. So we no longer do it because we're told. We do it becomes a part of who we are. It's like breathing. It's my own self. From fear to love, from imperfect to perfect. From being told to have it. 90 days, and you know what that program has in it? And I, and I know it because I did it, or I tried to do it. It wasn't, per, it wasn't perfect, because it's a rough, it's a rough regimen, what is it? 90, it's for guys, and uh, to get them to take a hold of their, their spiritual life and be good examples to their families. And so it, it's got all these spiritual practices, it's got fraternity, because you need a lot of brotherly support, but the aesthetical part is, is, is brutal. It's, it's uh, you know, no, no sugar, uh, no sna- in-between meal snacks, uh, you know, you, you give up certain foods, no booze, in other words, no fun, all right, this is this, this, Exodus 90, no, no hot showers, cold showers for 90 days. And so, and the reason why I'm raising this now is it's a good example But we're going to try to do it during Lent, the guys and I, you guys out there. Uh, just start thinking about it, okay? It's going to be something. But in 90 days, because it takes that long to change some of our bad habits. Like you have to get off the internet, get off your tablets, cell phone only for, you know, necessary things. It's a whole change of life, but it's virtuous. uh The growth, it's the proper ordering of the intellect and will according to the life of the virtues. I use my mind and my heart, my soul. I practice, I discipline them for 90 days because after 90 days, hopefully three months, I don't have to be told. I don't have to apologize for failing. I just do it because it's my own self. I do it because I love God. Imperfect to perfect, fear to love. Now, as we hear John the Baptist, this is what he's telling us today. This is where he wants us. You know, and this is why he gets so mad at the scribes and Pharisees. You brood of vipers? What are you doing here? You're out here because you, you, you want to just check me out. You just want to see what I'm up to. You're, you're here because the other people are here and you want them to think that you're doing all right. And you're not. Because there's no conversion in your heart. You're just, you're paying a lip service. He, he goes, Where's the fruit? Where's the change? Where's the transformation? And so he's, you know, he's got this, uh, this thing where he's uh, in a certain place, wearing certain things, eating certain things. Now, where is he? He's out, he's out in the Jordan, uh, about a, a day's walk uh, east of Jerusalem. So it's, it's, it's out there and people are going. But that's where Elijah did his ministry. And, and, and I raise Elijah because the people think he's the new Elijah because what is he wearing and what is, he's got the uh, the camel hair and the belt. Who wore those in the Old Testament? But Elijah. So John by his very person is where, where he's at and what he's wearing is saying something. He's the new Elijah. And so the people are going. But what was Elijah's deal? What did he preach? What was he about? Repentance and judgment. And to put a finer point on it, what is he eating? He's eating locusts and wild honey. You know, is that, is that a, because he likes that food? Who wants to eat bugs? But that's what he's eating. But they're locusts, It's specific. Those kind of things aren't throwaway lines in Scripture. They always mean something and point to something else. What are the locusts about? Remember one of the plagues in Egypt where, where the, uh, the, the, the plague of locusts? Why are there a plague of locusts? Because one of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped were locusts, were bugs, and the Israelites who were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt had started to take on the worship of those false gods. They were worshiping the locusts along with the Egyptians. So God sends a plague to basically uh, say, "I'm gonna that that god is out. That whatever that locust god is, it's gone." So locusts says is Elijah is eating or is John the Baptist is eating the locust he's saying I'm the new Moses and what was Moses all about judgment and repentance what's the wild honey about where else is that mentioned in the book of Daniel Daniel eats the scriptures and they taste like wild honey in his mouth and what was and Daniel ate it and it was sweet in his mouth and what did he do with it he went out and preached what did he preach judgment and repentance John the Baptist is, is, is saying, that I'm the new Moses, I'm the new Elijah, I'm the new Daniel. And all these, all these years, all those rules that have multiplied on Israel is because you keep having to be told what to do and you keep failing. You keep saying you're sorry. It's imperfect, there's not the full transformation. All these years, all these covenants, every single one of which you've broken. You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the new Moses, I'm the new Daniel, I'm the new Elijah, pointing out to you that you keep failing and you can't, you're not capable without something else to get to that place of imperfect to perfect. You need grace and you don't have it. And John the Baptist is saying, but I only baptize with water for judgment and repentance to, <clears throat> to remind you that you need help, that you keep failing, you keep being told To get off the couch, turn off the TV and go outside and play. You keep having to say the same thing over and over again and you're sorry. It's imperfect. It's not perfect. You need help. You need something else. I'm only doing it with water. There's one coming mightier than I whose sandals I'm not fit to to carry. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you grace. He's going to give you his own life. And then you're going to have the strength with me to be able to move from that place of imperfect with fear to perfect with love not being able to do it, always having to apologize because you fail, to that place where eventually, if you practice, if you grow in virtue, if you, if you make it a part of your life with the life of Jesus in you, you don't have to be told anymore. You, you can do it with love and it becomes part of your own self. It's like breathing. It just happens. Virtue with ease. And then, what happens is there's the fruit that John's looking for. There's the growth and holiness that all of us are, are called to have. There's that place where once in a while we make progress in the spiritual life and realize, I didn't have to confess it this time. Something's happening. The Lord is living in me, and I'm allowing Him to have my heart, my whole my whole self, and He's doing it. That's transformation. If you look at the, the clues in, in Isaiah this morning, what is He saying? this goofy, not goofy, this dramatic, wild picture he's painting. And it is a little silly. He's saying that the lion's gonna lie down with the lamb, the bear and the cow are gonna play together, the child's gonna you know, handle like poisonous snakes. This is ridiculous. This isn't the real, that's not the real world. The real world is, picture this, the cow and the bear in the same uh, pen together. What's gonna happen? Are they going to, you know, lay down and snuggle with each other? No, there's going to be a bloodbath. There's going to be cow guts all over the place because this is the real world. (laughs) But it's not the way the world was. The world was like Isaiah is talking about. In the beginning, it was not so. That was when we lived in perfect friendship with God, when we walked with God in the garden during the breezy time of the day, and all, we were at one with ourselves, with each other, uh, and with creation. That, remember when Adam and Eve sinned? What did they cover themselves with? uh, They covered themselves with fig leaves, with plants. But after God punished them, what did he clothe them with? Animal skins. See, before sin, there was that harmony. We didn't kill animals. Animals didn't kill each other. We could play with snakes. Cows and bears could frolic in the garden together, Right? All was at at peace. All was was unified. But after sin, it's every man for himself. It was after sin that Israel was told to start sacrificing animals. The sacrifice, the killing of animals was a punishment for sin. And now there's animal skins available for us to clothe ourselves with as John the Baptist clothes himself with camel hair. God wants us to go back, not to the garden. There's no going back there and we don't want to go back there. But to the place that transcends the garden, where we are once again at one with ourselves, with each other and with God and with creation, where there's a a new heaven and a new earth and we do things not imperfectly, but perfectly, not because we're sorry, but because we're in love and not with effort, but with the ease that comes from habits that are developed by day by day, practicing the spiritual life and enduring the tough slog until the life of Christ is at one with us and alive in us and powerful in us. And we do it not because we're told, because we do it, because we want to. It's our very own self. That's the spiritual life. And that's what we're looking for as we move in the second Sunday of Advent to the birth of our Savior. Amen? Amen, brothers and sisters. Okay, guess what? Today's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. All right? So you get a... Get, you, you, the, 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 uh, the Holy Day is transferred to tomorrow because Sundays always trump Holy Days and Second Sunday of Advent trumps the Immaculate Conception. But because we love Mary, we still keep her feast day. We just move it a day to the ninth. But because it's been transferred, it's not obligatory you don't have to go to Mass tomorrow. And you're saying, yippee, I don't have to go to Mass. No, we love Holy Days. Um, but it's transferred and we got our Masses tomorrow, but you don't have to come, but you're welcome to. Um, but I thought, wouldn't it be nice? Because today technically is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception that we, we, we at least acknowledge Mary. And, and what an awesome... Uh, Mom, she is to us. Uh, So I thought, let's, since we, you know, we we aren't doing the Holy Day obligatory uh, today, and we got the non-obligatory feast tomorrow, let's just, let's acknowledge her day by allowing her, asking her to consecrate uh, St. Patrick Parish to her her Immaculate Heart. Is that okay if we do that? And I'm not going to ask you to do anything goofy, you don't have to get up or do anything. Just sit where you're at, close your eyes, and listen to my prayer. Uh, I'm going to consecrate St. Patrick Parish uh, to the Immaculate Heart uh, of Mary on this, uh, her feast day. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O oh, Most Holy Virgin, Immaculate in Body and Spirit, look kindly on us as we implore your powerful intercession. O oh, Most Holy Mother, receive our prayers as we, as we present them to God. And we beg you to consecrate St. Patrick Parish to your Immaculate Heart and to unleash for her the flood of grace through your hands from the sacred heart of your Son, Jesus. O Mary, Mother of Jesus and our Mother, you intercede for us with your Son. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us have recourse to thee. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. All right, you guys are awesome. Why don't we stand now and profess our faith? I believe in one God.